Well, sisters and brothers, there is a family story, and I'm not very much aware of it it's as to how it all went down. It's been told to me throughout the years. But as it is told, uh, one day I was just a small boy running the streets of Galveston, and I popped into a small corner store one day. And as I'm going through the store, the lady behind the counter, uh, I caught her attention. Who knows why? But as I'm going around, at one point she says, come here, what's your name? Johnny. You can't call me that, by the way. (laughs) What's your daddy's name? Johnny. And she had a few words she said after that, and then she made a gesture. Now, at this point, she had had been married to someone that uh, was from Greece. It's a great love story. He didn't know any English at all, and she didn't know any Greek, but somehow they knew that they were the one for each other, and they're still married today. It's a great thing. But she made a gesture and went something like this. Tua. Which apparently in the Greek culture means something like, you are the spitting image. And then she told me, after she spit in my face, (laughs) your daddy is my brother. Didn't know, hadn't met this aunt. So I went home and told my mama some lady spit in my face, and my mama came over, and they saw each other, and they knew each other before, and it was real good. And, and I think I learned something that day, something that had been repeated, has been repeated to me even now as an adult, a very young adult, by the way, but an adult. And that lesson is, you are the spitting image of your daddy. Now, sisters and brothers, I wish that more of us knew, as the body of Christ, as believers, as the people of God, that we are the spitting image of our daddy. Someone once said, the most popular verse in the Bible is John 3.16, for God so loved the world, you know the rest of it. But the most read verse is Genesis 1.1. Because when you finally decide, you know, I think I'm going to sit down, I'm going to start reading the Bible. Where do I start? Well, let me start in the beginning. And you open it up and you see Genesis 1.1 and you read about as God is creating. Now, some of us, as we began the Bible project this year, we started in Genesis because that's what you do. You begin in the beginning. And what we see in the beginning, what we see in Genesis is the creator who establishes this wonderful world. And what we see at the very least is that everything is ordered by the, by the word of God. And then God creates humanity. God creates us. And if you remember, God would say that creation was good. But then he also say, is very good. God created humanity on creation, so that's pretty good. You know, you know what? It's not just good. It's very good. I want you to look. Next time you're looking yourself in the mirror, that's very good. <laughs> I do it every morning. Just, you know, I want you to... But here's the deal. Here is the awesome thing. Before we knew that we were good, if we paid attention when we read, we learned that we were gods. Before God said that we were good and very good, we understand and we see that God told us something else about ourselves. And what we learn 
the very first thing we learn about ourselves is that we were created in the image of God. Now, that doesn't mean what we look like, our face, our nose, our ears, our feet, anything like that. What it does mean, it's, it's who we are and it's what we are. We are created in the likeness of God, which w- means we have an ability to reason and we can make moral choices. We have wisdom. We have the power to think and to communicate and to understand, which seems to separate us from the rest of creation. And another part of what that means is the things that we love about God, the things that we know about God and understand about God are a part of who we are as well. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. But for those of us who kept reading, for those of us who kept reading, we realize it doesn't take It didn't take very long for Adam and Eve to have fear creep into that image, to have shame creep into that image. It doesn't take long for them to realize that they wanted more than God gave them. And then by the time we get to Cain and Abel, things get so way out of hand. And that image that we were created in, by the fourth chapter just about, seems to be smeared so much that we already cannot recognize it. We already can't tell. We can't remember what it used to look like. Scripture tells us that Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain, who was the oldest brother, was the tiller of the land. And what seems to be the event that set all these next things to go into ahead was this offering that they made to God. Whereas Abel made it an offering to God that was of the first lands. It was the good stuff. It was his good offering. Somebody don't want y'all to hear this, y'all. Shoot. Tell that devil to back up. There we go. But Abel brought the offering of the firstlings of his flock, and Cain brought an offering, just an offering. And the text tells us that God had regard for Abel's offering, but no regard for Cain. And that seems to set Cain off in a way that he has no way of telling how far off he goes. Anger, jealousy, and resentment enter this story. Anger, jealousy, and resentment begin to cloud even more the image of God. Watch this. That was inside of Cain. And even the image of God that was inside of Abel that Cain could no longer see. Because once that anger crept in, once that jealousy got in, once that resentment festered in his mind, he didn't see a brother anymore. He didn't see anybody that had the image of God inside of them. He saw somebody that stood in the way of him having what he wanted. 
And I want to tell you, sisters and brothers, that's the same thing that still happens today. I'm going to ask you two questions that if you can, if you can think about these questions, reflect on these two questions, I think you go a long way into seeing what God wants to do through a story like this. The first question is this. What keeps us from seeing the image of God within ourselves and each other? What keeps us from seeing that image? Now, we can wrap it up and sort of generically say sin. Well, you might be right. That'd be fine, sure. But I bet there's some other things we can point to, practical things that we can see that keep us from seeing the image of God inside of us. Second question I'll ask you is, what could happen if we did see each other as an image of God? I'd like to think that if spouses looked at each other as an image of God, marriages would be healed. Forgiveness would be shared. Commitments would be resolved. I'd like to think there wouldn't be another annoying husband ever in the world if if uh, if uh, wives were able to look at their husband and say, you're not an annoying husband, you're an image of God in there somewhere. Somewhere, I know. But parents, what if we could see our children as not just little children, not just little people who want to take all our money and all of our time and not just all the, what if we could see our children think they don't just look like me they don't just act like me it's actually an image of God in them that I see watch this what about the guy at the checkout line you know the one you're in the 15 items or less and he's got about 76 items what if you could see him and not want to strangle him, but instead say, there's an image of God somewhere. What about your annoying coworkers? What about that guy on the corner that you have an opinion about every time you see him? What about that person that everyone else tries to push away? What if instead of being someone else who tries to push him or her away, we could say, I know there's an image of God in there. That's how God created us. What if we could look at our enemies, not as people we hate, but as an image of God? What about the people who've wronged us? What about the people who have hurt us or offended us? What about the people who have forgotten us? What if we could acknowledge all the pain and hurt and all those emotions, but still somehow with our faith say, but I know there's an image of God in that person. What could happen if we could see each other that way? What if we could see ourselves that way too? What if we could realize that our past and our, our previous hurts and our failures, the things that we've done that we're ashamed of or that other people are ashamed of for us, what if we could look past all of that and say, but I know that I know that I was created in the image of God.
And there is the image of God somewhere in there. What could happen if we could see ourselves that way? I know what could happen. Some of us would finally be able to find some peace. Some of us would finally know what the healing of God feels like. Some of us would be able to find direction. Sisters and brothers, the image is there. And it may be hard sometimes to, to peer through and to, and to get all everything else that's in the way that's keeping us from seeing it. But God's word is true. And what God says is that every single one of us were created in the image of God. That's who we are. George Whitfield, who's a contemporary of John Wesley, said this. I have put my soul as a blank into the hands of Jesus Christ, my Redeemer, and desired him to write upon it whatever he pleases. I know it will be his own image. Sisters and brothers, if we offer our lives to God, if we are willing to say, God, here I am, do with me as you will, I have to believe that one of the very first things God does is remind us you're the spitting image of your daddy. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sisters and brothers, what we realize is